Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Good to be together this morning. Well, we're going to be in uh, another kind of standalone message today in uh, the book of Philippians, which is in the New Testament and in chapter 1. But it does follow on in some ways from what I was sharing last week, where we looked at how God is a God of breakthrough. He's a God whose voice is the most powerful sound in the universe. And when he speaks, even as we've sung this morning, things happen. Breakthrough comes. He's the one who's able to bring new birth. He's the one who's able to shake the wilderness. He's the one of breakthrough. And we are learning each and every day of God breaking through into different people's lives. We're seeing God do that in this community and in this town. I hear almost on a daily basis very, very encouraging stories of what God is doing in people's lives. We really do believe that this is just the start. We're expectant of more. Uh, We had a life group leaders evening on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night, and we were just hearing story after story of people coming to uh, faith, people coming back to God, some people beginning to explore and saying, I want to come on Alpha. This is happening, friends, and we're, we're expectant of more. We have a vision which is to make Jesus famous in Ipswich and in the nations, and we want to see his name on the lips of the people in this town. We want to see his name being the one that's praised and spoken about. We want it to be that many, many, many people come to know him and know him as their savior and as their Lord. So we're expectant of more. But listen, friends, if we're going to see this happen more, then we do need to see hundreds and hundreds of leaders raised up in this church. We need to see hundreds of people who are uh, really all about the fame of Jesus. Uh, People who are other-centered, not kind of living self-centered lives, but other-centered lives and living to serve others and to bring influence in the lives of others. That's what we need to see, friends. And so I want to speak to you today as leaders. Now, most of you here will be Christians. There'll be probably a dozen or a couple of dozen people who are not Christians just looking in. It's so good to have you with us, and we wanna, I want you to tune in to what I have to say today. Absolutely. But if you are a Christian here today, I want to say you are a leader. You're a leader if you have any relationships at all. You're a leader. And God wants you to bring a, a servant-hearted, godly influence in the lives of others. If you're a parent here, you're a leader. You have children that you're to lead. If you have any kind of friendships, God wants to see you grow in leadership and influence amongst others. And so today we're going to look at what is the heart of a a Christian leader. So in Philippians 1, which is where we're going to be, uh, we see here uh, the, the heart of the Apostle Paul, who was the guy who wrote the book of Philippians. It was a letter Uh, to a church in a place called Philippi in Greece. And uh, he is writing to them, as we'll see, from prison. And we see uh, his heart, really, of what it is to be a Christian leader. Now, sometimes we can get all kinds of ideas about what leadership is. We're going to be praying for uh, elders next week. Elders are those that bring uh, shepherdly care in the life of the church and leadership and steering. But we're talking about leaders here right across the church, right across our community, and sometimes we can kind of get this idea that it's a, it's a glamorous kind of stage thing. I remember speaking to a young guy who I was uh, discipling, coming alongside, uh, about 10 years ago or so now. And uh, I asked him, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And we were in, a, in another church in Southampton. And he said, I'd quite like to do what Martin does. Now, Martin, you have to understand, was the, the senior uh, pastor of the church. He led the team at the church. And I said, what, what do you think Martin does? 
And he said to me, well, Martin gets to speak in front of hundreds of people uh, in this church, and then he goes to different nations and gets to go to all these cool nations and speak about Jesus on big stages. And I said, I don't think you fully understood exactly what Martin does. I, I think he's kind of had this idea that it's all this kind of glamorous thing and that it's... Uh, that it's it actually is very, very different to that. Christian leadership is, is, is about, as we'll see in the life of Paul, it's about being other-centered. It's longing for others to, to know Jesus more. It's, it's a, there's a yearning within that we're going to see in Paul's words here for others. He says, uh, as we're going to see, I yearn for you all. And the original language that he's writing in would have been Greek. And it's like the, the, the best way to translate it is, deep within my intestines, I yearn for you. I long for you. We say to people in this country, I love you with all my heart. He might have said, I love you with all my intestines. That's kind of how it might have been. There's a deep longing for the people at Philippi that he, he experiences that is right at the heart of Christian leadership. And may we know hundreds of people in the life of this church who are like that. So here we go. We're going to read Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Then we're going to jump a little bit to verse 27. This is what Paul says. I thank my God every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's speaking here about his imprisonment and how the guards even around him had heard the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And then we're going to jump a little bit to verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then... Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm and in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Shall we pray together? Lord, we do believe that this is the word of God. We believe this is profitable for us. We believe this is going to transform us as we take it to heart. And we pray that right now you would come and touch hearts right across this place. Even as we explore your words some more, would you come and move us, change us, challenge us, grow us, lift our heads to what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if anyone here can identify as being something of a fixer. 
You, you see people in need, and you just have to kind of rush around to try and fix their problems. Anyone out there like that? Yeah, some of you. You just think, I can't, I can't let that person get, go on in suffering. I have to go and sort that out. I have to go and be there for them. I have to drop everything and go and be there for them. Now, sometimes there's things we cannot fix. Am I right? There's sometimes situations where we cannot go and be with the person because they're a long way away. Some of us knew that during lockdown. We thought, I want to go and be with that person, but they're, they're at the other side of the country and I'm only allowed to go for 15 minutes exercise. So how can I get to them? I can't go and fix their problem. Anyone relate to that? I was this week just in touch with a friend who's struggling in a big way. And to be honest, he probably would need someone to walk through some big stuff with him for many weeks and months. And I can't go and be there with him. And I feel powerless to affect change in his life. And I can imagine that's how the Apostle Paul felt when he was arrested on account of proclaiming the gospel. And the chains are going on his wrists. And his first, his first thought was probably, what's going to happen to these churches that I've planted? What's going to happen to them? I can't go and visit them as I'd want to. I can't go and be with them. I can't go and influence them in the way that I want to. And immediately we see what his response is here. He starts to pray for them. And I think that the Apostle Paul understood that the most effective way to bring about change and influence in someone's life is to pray for them, to pray earnestly for them. And we need to heed that this morning, leaders here. I'm talking to the vast, vast majority of you. We need to heed that this morning, that the most effective way we can bring about influence and change in someone's life is, sounds pretty counterproductive, but we can pray for them. Yes, of course, our example is important. Yes, of course, our direction and wisdom is important. But the thing that really most affects change in the lives of others is to pray for them. That's helpful for us parents, right? Because we might look at our children in schools and we think, we think I don't even have a clue how I'm going to lead them through this. We might look up on the horizon in the next few years and think, how, how am I, how am I going to deal with these particular challenges and pressures that are coming their way? I can pray for them. I can, of course, I, I'm going to bring my you know, teaching and wisdom and, and example, but, but more than anything else, the, the thing that will really affect change most is to pray for them. And Paul knew that. He's in prison, and he knows that he's not, he's not sort of having a stab in the dark here. It's not wishful thinking. He knows that prayer is, is powerful and effective. And so as he prays for the Philippians, he can do it in a way that he's thanking God, he's remembering them with joy, and he's directing his prayers that they may grow more and more in the ways of God. So listen, friends, we need to be those, as we're going to be leaders rising up in this church, who are prayerful for others, who are other-centered, who are uh, considering the, the difficulties and needs of others and praying for God's impact in their life. We see here what has, has grabbed Paul's heart more than anything else. We see it, this word again and again, and it's this little word, gospel. Now, sometimes we think, of gospel, we think of gospel choirs. So we think of really exuberant choirs that bring us a lot of joy. Well, the gospel just means good news. So when you hear us saying the word gospel in the church here, we're talking about the good news. It's this good news that God so loved the world. He so loved the world that in his great love for this world that is in such darkness, in his great love, he acted and he sent his only son to this earth. His son who has always existed and who is equal with the father in every way. He sent his son to this earth and his son humbled himself, becoming like one of us, becoming a human and learning obedience even to his earthly parents. 
but ultimately obedient to God every single day of his life, even to the point of dying on a cross in our place, taking our place, taking the punishment that our sin deserved and hanging on that cross and declaring it is finished, that all the work necessary for our salvation, all the work necessary for our forgiveness and cleansing and being brought into the family of God was finished, accomplished by Jesus on the cross. And then on the third day, he rose again. Death had no claim on him because he lived a sinless life. And he burst from the grave on that third day. And after a few weeks with his friends and followers and encouraging them, he ascended to heaven where he now sits at the highest place with the name that is above every other name. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to be uh, with his people, to empower us, to give us all that we need to live for him. And he's coming again. He's promised to come again. That is the good news. That's the gospel, friends. So when you hear us say the word gospel, there's a lot packed into that little word. It's all that God has done for us. And we see that this has gripped Paul's heart. He again and again speaks of the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. He is delighted that from the first day, this Philippian church have become with him partners in the gospel. He's saying that he's in prison on account of the gospel. He says that what has happened to me has only served to further the gospel. Later on, as we see in verse 27, he says, I want to hear that you're striving side by side for the gospel. He has been gripped for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, it's like he has been arrested for this. That might be the way he even described it, because he was going in one direction living to further his own name in the world of religion, going after uh, all of the things that he had kind of set out to do in his life. And then he, in, in so doing, he was opposing the ways of Jesus, having Christians uh, tortured and imprisoned and killed because of their faith. And then one day he met the risen Jesus. And he was, it, I think he would have described it as, I was like arrested for Jesus. I suddenly, I'm now living, I'm going in a completely different direction. I'm living for him now. All of the things that I once was living for, for my own fame, my own name's sake, I now live for him. And this gospel has gripped me. I, I want to see it proclaimed the world over. This was how I think Paul would have described it. It gripped his heart. And I, I wonder, friends, what has gripped our hearts Have our hearts been similarly gripped by this, that we say, I don't want anything else but to to live for you. I don't want anything else but to, 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 to further the name of Jesus, to see people come to know you. It might be that we're gripped for other things. Maybe we're gripped for the fervent of our own glory, as it were. That people might respect us, praise us. It might be that we're, we're gripped for comfort. We just want a comfortable life. Paul was gripped. He was, this had, this had, he had been so won over to something far better. And he says of the Philippians that from day one, from the first day that these men and women believed, they too had become partners in the gospel. They too had they'd seen that their life was now no longer about the, the kind of little things they may have given themselves to. But it was about one thing, and it was Jesus and his gospel, his gospel going forward. 
They'd been brought into something far bigger than political party alliance or a football team or entrepreneurial efforts trying to make a business. They've been brought into something so much bigger. Part of something global. Something that was, was just, it blew everything else out of the water. They were partners with him in the gospel. What did that look like? I think it looked like, at the very least, it looked like them financing Paul's mission. We see in chapter 4 of Philippians, he thanks them that they were able to give him money to send him on to the next country, to the next region that he might proclaim Jesus, see people healed and start churches. But I believe that they also understood that they were missionaries where they were. It wasn't that Paul was the missionary. Sometimes that's an unhelpful uh, phrase that we can, we can use to describe those that have gone overseas. Yeah, they're missionaries. Well, it's true, yes. But we are also missionaries where we are. We're on mission where we are. And I think they, they, this had grabbed them. We're on mission in our little corner of Greece. We're living to see the name of Jesus proclaimed and, and, and believed in where we are in this little corner of Greece. This was, they, they came to partner with Paul in the gospel. They've been brought in. And I, I wonder, do you consider yourself a missionary? Do you, do you kind of think that about your life? Yeah, I'm a missionary where I am. In my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my place of study. God has placed me here as a missionary just as I might look at people who have gone to another nation or another continent and say, yeah, they're a missionary there, they're on mission. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you consider that about your own life? Or is something else kind of grabbing you? Is it, I just, I want it, I need to impress my parents. Listen, we're to honor our mother and father, but ultimately we honor God, right? And sometimes we can allow kind of disapproving looks maybe parents that don't believe or they look on and say what are you doing with your life we've got to honor him first and foremost what is it that you're what is it that you're living for do we consider ourselves to be caught up in a massive global move of god when we do when we when we orientate our lives around the the furthering of the gospel then we start to make choices about our money about our time about our talents about our future, even about our friendships. Where we say, I'm, everything in my life is going to be shaped around this command to go and make disciples, to go and proclaim Jesus. Everything in my life is going to be shaped around that. So we say of our money, well, it's not really mine. This, this is actually God's money. And I get to give back to him what is already his. And so I can say of this money, hey, I'm going to give this to release others into ministry like the Philippians had with Paul. I can use this to serve those in need. I can buy food and welcome people into my home and care for people. I was speaking with a family member just a few weeks ago who's not a Christian. He doesn't seem to have any interest in Christianity. But he was asking me about my church. And he said, so how is it all funded? And I said, well, hundreds of us give every month into the life of the church. And he said, what, like 10 quid each? I said, no, no a lot of us give a lot more than that. And there followed an expletive, which I will not repeat. <laughs> but it, it set him thinking. It really did. Because he, he just, he said, that's a radical thing. Like, giving money away is a radical witness in a world that is money-obsessed where people will say, no, no, it's, I'm going to look after number one. 
So when we're centering our lives around the, the, the gospel of Jesus and saying it's all about the furthering of the name of Jesus, we, we look at our money in a different way. We look at our time in a different way. Paul says in, in Galatians, he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so that means I'm going to say yes to some things and no to some things. I just think that's just not a good use of my time. Or that is a good use of my time. I'm considering things through the lens of how can I see Jesus' name proclaimed? How can I see his people strengthened? How can I see, how can I see the name of Jesus made famous? So we consider our time, we consider our talents, and we look in our hands and we say, what has God given me? What things has he given me that I might partner in the gospel? Listen, the way we serve in this church, we need to see it through the lens of I'm partnering in the gospel. So you might be opening a door in our cafe on a Thursday and thinking, I'm just opening a door. No, you're, you're, you're coming and you're serving to, to partner in the gospel. You might be serving on the door on a Sunday and think, I don't, I don't know if this is even needed. People can use a door themselves. No, no, you're giving them a welcome and you're partnering in the gospel. When we get on our hands and knees and we play with the little ones in their groups, we're serving to partner in the gospel. We had a funeral on Thursday for Trevor Ford. Many of you will know Trevor and have many fond memories of him. And as we heard his eulogy, we heard of the, the many years service that he gave in this church amongst the children's work. An amazing man. And uh, in the eulogy, we heard that on several kids' weekends away, he was gunged. He was gunged for the sake of the gospel, friends. He's partnering in the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what God has given me to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it because I'm partnering with him in the gospel. I want to see the, the, the name of Jesus proclaimed. And so all that we do, friends, is, is partnering in something that is global and something that is of ultimate significance and the biggest and best thing we could give our time and energies to. Our futures, we say to God, yeah, I've got plans. I, I'm, I'm making plans, but Lord, they're totally interruptible. So Lord, if you're going to come and speak into this, I'm prepared for my plans to be blown out of the water. Are you, are you in that place where you could say to God, I'm prepared for my plans to be blown out of the water by you? When you speak, when you nudge me, I'm prepared to say, okay, all of the things that I've planned out here, Lord, I'm just going to put that to one side now because you're speaking. Are we saying our future is, is planned out because we want to bring glory to God or because we're thinking about things that are of an earthly significance only? Our friendships, we might say, Lord, I don't get some of these people <laughs> in this church. I don't get them because they're very different to me. We don't seem to have anything in common. But we look at the gospel and we say, but this is the biggest thing in, it, we could ever have in common, is that we both celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. It affects our friendships. It affects the way we move forward together. Let's be those that consider all that God has given us and say, I want to, I'm partnering the gospel. This is, this is what I'm doing with my life. I may be going to work in the council or at BT. I may be going to work in, in a factory. I may be at the school gate. I'm, but I'm ultimately, I'm partnering in the advance of the gospel. This is what I'm doing. On Sundays, I might be washing mugs up. 
I might be moving some levers on a sound desk. That's not even the right technical term, is it? I might be, I'm doing something on a sound desk. But I'm doing it because I'm partnering in the gospel. I'm giving my time to see the gospel furthered. And we see here that Paul says, I want to hear that you're striving side by side for the gospel. This, this gospel is what unites us. This is what brings us together. And the picture that comes to mind is of Roman soldiers in the uh, Testudo formation. You might know it's the tortoise formation, where they would, they would come together and they would protect each other as they move forward. And there's a, there's a sense in which they're covering each other's backs, they're covering each other's fronts, and they're saying, we're moving forward together. This is what Paul's getting at, I think, when he's saying, I want to hear that you're, I want to hear that you're striving side by side for the gospel. And listen, the, the worst thing that a Roman soldier can do in that formation is, is to think, I can go it alone. I can go off on my own. I could do this. I could maybe, I don't need these guys around me. I, I can be the glorious soldier that goes off on his own or her own. And listen, as you do that, you expose not only yourself, but you expose others as well. Sometimes I speak with people and they say, I don't, I don't really think I need to be at church, to be honest. I don't think I really need to be in a life group. I don't really need to be in community. I'm doing okay. I listen to podcasts. I worship when I'm in the car. And I think you're being foolish. Because we need to go, we go side by side. We cover each other. We, we go forward together. And you, you listen, you're not indispensable. But you are needed. You are needed. You're so needed. Others need you. You might think, I don't, I don't really need to be in this. I don't really need to be a part of this. Others need you. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about how others might need your encouragement, might need your care, might need your wisdom? We go side by side, friends. We go together in the gospel. We are called to unity. It means we, we're those that we're quick to forgive. We're quick to, to deal with things. We don't let things fester. We don't let things kind of bubble up. We, we're called to unity and we're, we're called to unanimity. Where we're unanimous in our purpose together. Where, we, where we're going towards the same goal together which is that we want to see Jesus glorified. We want to see his gospel furthered. We want to see others come to know him. We're called to be unanimous in one heart. We go forward together. We're together for the gospel. This is what we're all about, friends. What are we doing here if this is not what it's all about? We're not a social club. We're not a care center. We're proclaiming the name of Jesus. And we're going to have deep community as we do it. We're going to care for people as we do it. But we're, we're, we're wanting to see his name proclaimed. We want to see his gospel go forth. We want to see his kingdom advancing. This is what we're here for. And so we're called to unity, to unanimity, to proclaim him. We go side by side. And why does Paul say this? Well, he says, because we will be opposed. He says that in verse 28, because of the opposition that we face. And I'm a little nervous sometimes when I talk about opposition and persecution, because sometimes people are, are quick to cry persecution when actually they're just being a bit of an idiot, right? So they say, I'm being persecuted because of my faith. No, you're just being rude to people. You're just arrogant in the way you come across. You're not caring for people very well. It's not persecution. But there is opposition, friends. There is opposition. And if this is, if this is real, just think about this for a minute. If this is all real, 
And Jesus is who he says he is. And we are who he says we are. And if this gospel is advancing across the world, then it will be opposed. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are to expect opposition. We're to expect that sometimes thoughts might come into our mind that we think, where does that come from? We're to expect that others will sometimes uh, not be being influenced by God in the right way and will kind of harm us in some way. We're to expect wrong thinking sometimes to come to our minds. We just have to put it aside and say, no, no, that's not the truth. We're to expect opposition. We're, we're to expect uh, satanic attack. And we're to, to also expect victory because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we move forward together, unified, unanimous in our heart's goal. So I just want to appeal to you, particularly if you've kind of been coming along over these months uh, and you've been thinking, yeah, I kind of like the worship here, I like the preaching, I like the coffee, I like all this kind of stuff. The kids' work's great. And you're not really kind of, you're kind of looking in from the outside. I want to say to you, come and take your place. I want to appeal to you, come and, come and get into formation, as it were. Come and find what it is that God has given you to do. Come and look in your hands and say, he's given me these talents. He's given me this passion, this burden. Come and, come and do this, friends. We need you. Come and be united with us for the cause of the gospel in this town and beyond. Come and be part of something that God is doing amongst us. Let me appeal to you in this. We would love for you to come and, and just throw yourself into things. Come and be a part of a life group. Just as we're signing up in these weeks, get into a life group. Be part of the day-to-day -day life of the church. Don't go in alone. You leave yourself exposed. You really will. Don't, I mean, you really can go in alone and still turn up most Sundays. You can kind of just do what I did over my sabbatical and ninja in and ninja out again which some of you spotted me, say, I think I saw you at church. Yeah, I was on sabbatical. I ninjaed out of the meeting with like five minutes to go. But listen, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that, friends. Come and be a part of things. Come and put your all in with us. Let's be leaders who develop a heart for others, who pray for others, who, who seek God first in our own lives, but who seek uh, God's best for others. Let's be those who pray those verses uh, in in Philippians 1 and verses 9 to 11, where Paul says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Let's pray that for others. Let's pray that for those that God has put in our lives. Sometimes you just have a burden for someone and you think, I want to help them, I don't know what to do. You can start by praying that prayer for them. You can pray that they will come to know Jesus more. There is so much more to know of him. Paul's praying that their knowledge may abound more and more. He's talking about their knowledge of Jesus. There's so much more to know of him. Sometimes we think we've, we've kind of seen all there is to know. I love this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes from a great author called Michael Reeves. He says, sometimes... We find ourselves tiring of Jesus, stupidly imagining that we have seen all there is to see and used up all the pleasure there is to be had in him. 
we get spiritually bored. But Jesus has satisfied the mind and heart of the infinite God for eternity. Our boredom is simple blindness. If the Father can be infinitely and eternally satisfied in him, then he must be overwhelmingly all-sufficient for us. So think about that. Jesus has, has satisfied the heart and mind of God the Father for all eternity. And we think we know all there is to know. There's so much more of him to know and to enjoy. And it's as we come to know him more and more, as we walk with him more deeply, we'll be able to discern what is best for us. Because we'll see the real deal. And we'll be able to spot the counterfeits. Do you understand? When I was 14 years old, my mates all had those Adidas three-stripe popper trousers. Anyone had them? Anyone want to admit to owning them? Yeah, a few of you kind of like, yeah, I don't want to, want to know. So they were, they were kind of three-striped trousers, and they had poppers on them. I don't know why they had poppers on them. I don't understand why you would want to have trousers that were vulnerable to being unpopped. I don't understand it. But my mates had them, and I really, really wanted a pair of Adidas three-striped popper trousers. That's all I really wanted. And my mum, being very wise and being northern, she was thinking, I'm not going to waste money on some trousers that will cost a lot of money only for you to have a growth spurt and not wear them anymore. So this is what I got. I got a pair of four-stripe Abbey Boss trousers, okay? <laughs> and uh, I tried to convince myself that they were the real deal, okay? I kind of thought, yeah, they look kind of similar. I'm sure I could pull it off and... I went to, out with my mates, and it was quite clear that I hadn't pulled it off. They spotted the counterfeit. They knew the real deal. Listen, this is, as we come to know Jesus more and more, as we walk with him, we, we will be able to spot the counterfeits. We'll be able to see, no, that's not, that's not of God. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to say no to that, because that's not going to be good for me. I know the real deal. I've got the real deal here. This is what Paul's getting at here. He says that you may, your knowledge, your love may abound more and more so that you may be discerning. Be able to say no to some things. So that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness. The Bible says that when you trust in Jesus, when you place your faith in him, and some of you, you may want to do that today for the very first time, you are justified in an instant, just as if you had never sinned. You're forgiven, and you're made righteous. That's who you are now. You, you, you've become what the Bible talks about as an oak of righteousness. So that's, that's your status. That's your identity. I'm righteous in him. And then what happens, if you become an oak, you will eventually produce acorns. Am I right? So when it talks about the fruit of righteousness, it's talking about fruit in keeping with what you are now. So as you, as you, as you come to know Jesus more and more, as you, as you walk with him, you will start to bear fruit in keeping with who you are now, an oak of righteousness. Sometimes it's a painfully long time, isn't it? Sometimes you think, I just want that to be gone in my life. Well, let's keep being rooted in what he's done for us in the past Let's keep grabbing on to what he's going to do for us in the future. You notice in this passage, Paul talks about the day of Christ twice. Paul was he, was, he had his mind fixed on the day of Christ. The Bible talks about the day of Christ again and again and again. These early Christians, they had their minds fixed on the day of Jesus' return. 
They were, they were fixed on it. And in, and in uh, 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, Paul's writing his final letter because he's about to be killed on account of his faith. If I can find it now. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What a strange phrase. All who have loved his appearing. That word in the original language could be more accurately translated craved. They craved his appearing. They, they, they had the spirit of the Apostle John who says right at the end of the Bible, come Lord Jesus. And the church... And the Spirit say, come, Lord Jesus. Are we, are we fixing our eyes on that day? Is this in, the, is this in our minds? Are we, or are we kind of thinking this life is all that there is to offer? This is as good as it's going to get. If, if we think that, then friends, we're not going to be leaders who are together for the gospel. We're going to be kind of concerned with all kinds of earthly things. We're going to be preoccupied with all kinds of things that are just distractions. We fix our eyes on that day. We crave that day. We say, Lord, we want you to come again. We want you to come and make all things new. We want you to come and claim your bride, your church, your global people. Might we be leaders, hundreds of us, who are so rooted in what Jesus has done for us, that holding on and with our eyes set on that great day, the day of Jesus Christ. Maybe we'd be those that go forward together, like those Roman soldiers, one of the most fearsome forces the world has ever seen, because they're together, we're going together, united by the gospel, gripped by the gospel. This is what's arrested us. We're saying there's nothing else we're living for but to see the gospel advance. Maybe, may we be those that are other-centered, I think one of the biggest things about my generation, and maybe older generations as well, I don't know, but my generation and younger, we can be so self-centered. We, we can talk a lot about self-care. Some of those things, there's good stuff in there. I'm not throwing, rubbishing it all, but listen, we can be so self-centered. And you do you, you do what's right for you, love yourself, that is a big thing. And, and, and here, we see a, a Christian leader whose heart yearns for others, who longs to be encouraging others, building others up, seeing others coming to know Jesus more and more. May we be like that, friends. Should we stand together? I'd love to pray for us. The worship team are going to come and lead us in some songs of response. But even now, as we respond, well, let me ask you one more time. Do you consider yourself a leader? Do you consider yourself a missionary? Do you consider yourself on mission for him? Ripped, grabbed, arrested for this great gospel that we celebrate. Are you, are you saying, Lord, I want to lay down some things that I've made ultimate in my life, where I've wanted comfort, where I've wanted to create a name for myself, where I've wanted other things, I lay it down now. Let's just do that. I'm not, I'm not going to pray just immediately. I'm just going to give us a moment to just write around the room 
just be before God and to say to him what we need to say. So let's just take a moment to do that. Some of you right now, even, you just know, I've never given my life to this Jesus. I've never placed my faith in him. Maybe you've kind of been looking in for some time and you think, there's a moment now, I just need to make that step. And if that's you, just right now, just reach out to him. He's here with us. He's in our midst. And just say to him, Lord, I know I've done wrong in my life and I want to cast all of my my sin at the foot of the cross and I want to say I am yours lead me forward I believe in you I trust in you just just put it in your own words to him right now and if if you do that please tell someone please tell someone make sure someone knows here today so we can help you going forward and maybe you get baptized in a few weeks time when we have a lot of baptisms happening and maybe a number of you just, you know, I need to do that right now. I'm not going to let it go any, any further. I just need to give my life to him. But for everyone else, let's just, let's just let's pray together. Lord, we do long to be those who lead well. Lord, who, who look out for the needs of others, who are humble, other-centered leaders, who look to see others growing in you, Lord Jesus, we thank you. There is so much more of you to know. There's so much more of you to enjoy. There's so much more of your your love to be amazed by. And all that you are, Lord, we, we pray that even now you would come and lift our heads to you, Lord, and lead us forward. We want to go together for the gospel, Lord. We want to be those that say, I'm not going to go this alone. I'm going to go together with my brothers and sisters, we are in this together. I'm going to be in community. I'm going to be in the lives of others. I'm going to lay aside comfort, lay aside my, my natural inclinations to just go it alone. I'm going to go with others. We're going to go together for the gospel. We're living to see your name treasured, Lord Jesus. We're living to see your name glorified. We're living to see you be the name on the lips of the masses here. We're living that the nations might be glad in you, Lord Jesus. We're living that, that this, this church may have a, an extraordinary impact even in the nations of the world as you stir men and women up. Lord, we want to go forward in your power. We want to go forward in your ways. Lord, would you, would you cause each one of us to see you've got us on mission where we are. You've got things for us to do, works to walk in that you've prepared in advance for us. You strengthen us, Lord. Would you help us to resist the evil one? Would you help us to be discerning as we more and more grab a hold of you, Lord Jesus? You're the real deal. Everything else is just a counterfeit. You're the real deal. We want to discern well, Lord, in the days to come. And we want to lay our lives down for you again. 
just as we've been encouraged to in the worship time. There might be some things we just say to God, I want to lay this down, lay down this desire, lay down this hope, these plans, lay down this, even in some relationships, you just know, I need to lay this down because I want to pursue what you've got for me. We're going to sing in response to him together. Let's just do business with him right around, the, right around this room. We've got 10 minutes or so before we bring things to a close. Let's, 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 let's talk to our God. He's with us. Let's engage with him. Amen.